Hey, this is Lisa Lee. You are listening to the Legacy Code podcast, a show about upgrading the tech industry by making it more diverse. And we are going to have a lot of fun today. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so today is a part two to what was discussed the week before, which is the continuing conversation of. Where does it start? Where does it begin? How do we make impact? And today I have one of my favorite people in the room. Oh, that's sweet. Hey, Marvin. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I feel like there should be like music playing yeah, like right now, and then we start. Post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh God, like, where do I even begin with you? Uh, you, let's see, Marvin. Marvin <laughs> is now at Pandora. Drill. With me, with me, by the way, everybody. Lucky me. Um, no, no, no. Lucky me. <laughs> Thank you for being here and uh, working on sourcing, diversity sourcing, kind of just being my partner in crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before that, you were running diversity sourcing staffing over at Google. Nobody knows what that is. Right. So you might <laughs> want to tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, I could talk through that. So, um, <laughs> right. Man, where do I start? So in 2010... Um, Year of our Lord, I uh, I was a sourcing contractor at Google, and I just kept my head down the entire year. I didn't make any friends. Um, my competitive advantage was um, I was going to work harder than anybody. And when I was given the opportunity to become a full-time employee, I pulled my head out of the sand like a good ostrich. And um, I looked around and I thought, wow, nobody looks like me. Nobody talks like me. Um, I'm having a hard time really connecting with people. And that's not just me. It was just in general. So um, being a, a child of diversity, and I'm sure we'll get into that at some point, um, I, really, I really wanted to do something about being on the front lines of affecting the pipeline that can turn into diverse hires. So I pitched it. And, you know, God bless Google. They gave me the opportunity to, to build that thing out, turn into a bunch of teams, which are still continuing to this day. Um, yeah. First ever, right? I believe it was the first ever. You know, I have like a, a specific sort of sourcing effort, concerted, explicit. Look, we're going after this underrepresented group in this tech function. I think that we were the first ones to do that. So I have to ask, just sure. because I'm selfishly very curious. Now it's time to do it. Um, what did you know? How did you feel when uh, 2014 happened? <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and, okay, and let's give right. the, the listeners some context, right? 2014 was go. when Google came out mm-hmm. with its big, um, you know, data release yep. around transparency mm-hmm. and what the demographic workforce actually looks like. And I have to say, you know, for people who thought this diversity in tech conversation happened with Google, it, it didn't. It mm-hmm. started with um, companies like Intel yep. um, and others who were always kind of pushing for uh, transparency. But obviously, Google is just such a huge prominent right. uh, figure um, and it sparked right this like momentum so how did you feel being there right in the midst of all of that it was a crazy time you know um, the the company for the most part is is pretty popular right people like the products they don't have a lot of complaints about what we do over there but I will say from 2010 till when I left in uh, late 2015 the only time I ever saw people pick it on campus, uh, was around that time when folks were desperate to understand our demographic information and we pick it like 
external people, like yeah, outside people. people? Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Sharpton was there. Jesse oh, right, Jackson right, right, was right. there. Yeah, a lot of folks would come through. The and, usual picketers. Of course, yeah, <laughs> those, those picketers, right? So, um, yeah. So it was it was a really confusing kind of crazy time because internally we had made a commitment, right? We were going to do what we could to to change the pipeline as much as we possibly can. A concerted commitment. Uh, but yeah, we hadn't shared that information yet. So when the the S hit the fan, so to speak, and um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't super pretty information that we were able to share. Um, it was just a confusing, sort of almost depressing time. Yeah. But I think that we were strengthened by that. I think that you know we were able to rally the troops and um, you know really have a, a call to arms due to you know there's numbers now. Like let's go out there and and, and really impact numbers that the whole world has access to. And I'm sure there's a part of you that must have been like, I told you so, I told you so. There was a, there was a lot of that, Lisa. <laughs> Since 2011, I told you so. Uh, yeah, the whole time I've been telling you so. And you just um, got to, you know. Instead, yeah, I thought it would have more impact. <laughs> yeah, we got back to the business at hand, which we did. So give me the short paragraph. I mean, because you alluded to some of this. You yeah. care deeply about diversity I because do. of who you are, Correct. because of how you grew up. But, but give me the kind of skinny on, like, how you even got to Google. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in, in regards to the diversity piece, um, I'm a biracial kid. I'm 35. I still call myself a kid. Um, you know, my, my dad's uh, is a white guy. My mom's a, a black lady. Um, you know, forget the politically correct terms. It is what it is. Um, my little sister is a, a loud and proud lesbian, right? Um, my best friend in the world uh, was my grandfather, right? So I, I loved being around, you know, someone with seniority and, and that kind of perspective, and uh, my parents always hosted these raucous parties, so it, it was always loud at the house, and all their friends looked so crazy. That's the deaf community, by the way. It's really mixed, you know, um, you know, because deaf people come from everywhere to go to these very specific deaf schools, so it's not like a neighborhood thing or anything like that. So, um, so it's just a, a huge part of my upbringing. And um, you know, as I was going through school, and uh, I got my first job at an agency doing some recruiting, you know, that was always just sort of front of mind. Is yeah, I, I love being able to reach out to candidates and talk to people, but um, I really don't want to be the sort of cog in a wheel, if you will, that's just sort of turning out the same kind of candidate over and over and over again. I want to be able to impact lives. I want to be able to impact organizations. Um, and it sounds a lot more holier than now at this point, but at the time, it was from a really sincere place. I just wanted to... I, I got tired of reaching out to the same you know, white guy for every single role, right? And then I got to Google grace of God, uh, things worked out well there. But that whole first year, you know, again, I, I was successful, but only in that I, I found out what the formula was. I, I really figured out what they like to hire, and I continued to hit that button over and over and over again, which, as we know, is the antithesis of diversity. So once I was given some ambiguity and the opportunity to really build something, I really wanted to get away from that behavior. So formula. Sure. Let's dive into that. Why not? A little bit. Yeah. And I have to confess, I'm confessing on the podcast right now. I have an agenda for today. Okay. And the agenda is that I want recruiters and people who are not recruiters to listen to this podcast and walk away feeling like they have the ability to make changes. Here, here. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. No, stick your flag in the ground. Yeah. That's 100% true. And, and that's really what I want to talk about. Good. Because I feel like... Good. I don't 
know. I feel like we're all sort of, and maybe this is human nature, but I feel like sometimes we're all just waiting. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, it's like waiting for Godot, right? <laughs> and we're just waiting. Yeah. I don't even know what we're waiting for. And 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 to be fair, in diversity in tech, I think a lot of the waiting. Uh, it's kind of like Oscars. Mm-hmm. It's like waiting for mm-hmm. the permission right. to be different. It's yep. waiting for somebody to tell you that you can do your work differently. And, right. and you know, I, I invited you to be on the podcast because I really want to dive into that. Yeah. Because um, you were in staffing for a very long time. You led staffing teams. Um, and, of course, you're, you're here now um, being my partner in crime and all of this. Talk to me about the power that recruiters could potentially have and how they might be able to think about their roles differently. No question. So if you think about the transactional nature of sourcing and recruiting, right, you have a hiring manager or a client who says, hey, I need this profile. Um, Give me people that that meet these requirements. I'll interview them. If they're good, I'll hire them. Actually, can you even take it a step further back? Because I think some people listening here probably um, have no idea what it means to be a recruiter within a tech Industry. Even better. Sure thing. So um, a sourcer or um, a recruiter, right, folks that work in tandem here in the tech world, um, are on the front lines. They're looking for candidates, right? We think about it as identification, engagement of a candidate, and then sort of shepherding them through the entire interview slash hiring process. That's staffing. That's recruiting. Um, So from a diversity perspective, right, um, what we're trying to do is, is identify folks at the very beginning of that spectrum, if you will, to uh, t- to meet those requirements while also coming from different places, um, you know, looking different, um, having different perspectives, um, different life experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Is that kind of what you were looking for? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, you go yes. um, into a meeting yep. with your new hiring manager. Correct. We sit down, mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, yo, Marvin, what's up? I mean, I don't know if I talk like that. Right. <laughs> I made you real comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, three openings on my team. Glad right. you and I are working on it. Mm-hmm. Great. So now I go through my list of yes. uh, things, right? And mm-hmm. you ask me a series of questions of, like, what I would like to hire. And I'm of like, course. I don't know. Right. Somebody who's kind of entrepreneurial. Um, right. Maybe somebody who, oh, you know, MIT has really, really great people. No, you, you know go. what? Forget MIT, Berkeley. There you go. Best people ever. I'm mm-hmm. not biased. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I want this person to have um, really solid um, big data skills. Yeah. I want them to have um, Java skills, preferably mm-hmm. have been coding like yes. since they were 10. Mm-hmm. Right. Are these? <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm just I, playing along here. A million but, times. Yes. Right. That's exactly. I mean, right. you sit there and then you take these notes down, mm-hmm. and then um, in a typical recruiter's life, you go back to your desk and then you start finding people. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn. That's right. Meetup groups. Exactly right. Your own personal kind of network, mm-hmm. and then people who apply directly. That's right. On the website, and then you sort of filter through those folks to present to your hiring manager. Right, and mm-hmm. then we meet again. You're like, hey, I have a couple of people to show you. What do you think? Exactly. Yep. 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 So. Transactional, mm-hmm. very transactional. Right. And the idea, again, is what you're doing, what your hiring manager is doing, is building a profile. Right. Right. So now this is what you need to find in order for your hiring manager to feel comfortable moving forward with a candidate, let alone hire a candidate. Which, by the way, is kind of the antithesis of diversity. Right. Unfortunately. Um, but again, to your point from earlier, where staffing, recruiting, sourcing has a huge amount of power is in having those conversations and not necessarily pushing back, but educating your partner 
even from a transactional perspective of, okay, what do you think about someone who maybe didn't go to Berkeley, has very similar experience? Maybe they went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in that? Well, I don't know what Clemson is, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm things just like kidding. That yeah, yeah. So yeah. do you, you know, so you're you're breaking it down into like really tactical things here for our yeah. listeners, right? Of Around course. like the ways that you have harnessed the power. So yep. for you, it's just, it's a matter of inquiring and pushing the boundaries of these assumptions, right? That's exactly right. Would you say that? It's true? Yeah, because the assumption, a hiring manager will build that this is what works for my team. Right. And then that's the lane that you end up going down from a sourcing recruiting perspective. We try to get away from that as much as possible or at least open the lane up. Right. So that it's more of a wide approach where more candidates can funnel through where they're seeing more candidates. So what would be, you know, your advice around, let's say, uh, you know, somebody has never really pushed back Mm -hmm. or challenged. That's the the, culture, right? The the profile. (laughs) That's the culture, right? Yeah. Um, you know, how have you started to exercise some yeah. of these, like, um, I don't know, like, will? Mm-hmm. So we're lucky in that 2016, diversity is a huge buzzword. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, right, you couldn't even, it, it'd be a, a much more difficult conversation than it would be today. And, of course, you have a lot of experience in that. What, what is diversity? <laughs> exactly. What? Why is, is it, it quotas? Is it quotas of is people? Is it quotas? Yikes. Yeah, of course. Sorry, that's a whole different episode. No, but I hear you. Yeah, I'm going to come back for that. Um, so, no, so the idea is, you know, we're so explicit. Every single company is is either sharing their diversity numbers, mm-hmm. right, their demographic information, or they're saying publicly, look, we want to be more inclusive. You know, we, we're out here. Like, what can we do to be more inclusive? We're asking our folks to find people from different backgrounds, right? So taking that information back with you to a hiring manager, I think is a really smooth, kind of easy opener for a conversation at this point that you couldn't have had a couple of years ago. So what's your take on, um, going back to my waiting for Godot moment, Yeah. Uh, what, what's your take on um, right. people or just uh, recruiters, people, yeah. you know, kind of saying, well, that's not, you know, I right. haven't really heard anybody talk about it in my company. Yeah. I know it's kind of this big buzzword out there. Yep. My CEO has been really quiet. Mm-hmm. No one, no one, it's not really a conversation. Yeah. That's the other part, right? Because recruiting is, it's a culture of numbers, like sales or anything else, right? So you know that you can press that, your example earlier, that MIT button mm. and hit your number, right? So why wouldn't I do that? And that's the culture. That's what we've created here year over year over year. So what I would tell someone from a different place, um, someone who doesn't maybe have the same perspective that you would hope they would have, which is, look, diverse perspectives make your product better. It happens over and over and over again. There's a billion examples. Um, I love the YouTube example, the left-handed YouTuber. Um, There's there's a million examples of of why it's important to have, you know, if you're going to be talking to a a specific market, you know, you're going to want to have those perspectives in the room. Um, hope you don't mind me going into Leslie a little bit. Yeah. But Leslie mentioned that when he was here, um, just about, you know, there's, there's so much uh, focus on, on, on blacks on Twitter. It's a huge part of their market. Like, wouldn't it make sense to have black engineers who can share their perspective, their life perspective, to maybe make the product speak a little bit better to their black audience? Like, of course it would. And again, I'm not talking quotas, right? I'm talking perspectives. I'm talking about how that would make the product better. So I would tell somebody that. I would say it's just important to have your company look like the world that we live in, which is very, very diverse. Yeah. 
And that's Leslie Miley, by the way. Thank you. Leslie Miley, hi. Hey, Leslie. We know you're listening. <laughs> you're next. Big fan. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I think the way that I approach it, too, is um, the companies that have really thrived mm-hmm. uh, are companies that continue to innovate. That's right. They're continuing to work their product out of a product. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, if we are just reinventing the same thing over and over again, um, you're going to lose in the marketplace. Like a great example that I read in a book uh, once is it doesn't matter how much faster you make uh, vinyls mm-hmm. go or how um, much prettier they become or whatever, how much smaller they become. Streaming is always going to beat yeah. vinyls. That's right. Right? And mm-hmm. it's the same thing that we're talking about here, which is that your consumers are changing. The The landscape yeah. of the world, United States, is changing. I love that. If you want to continue um, creating the same product, then fine. Hire the same people mm-hmm. <laughs> with the same background. Right. But do you want to be innovating and do you want to, to have fresh ideas? Because if you do, then you need to be able to find different people with different perspectives to look at the same thing and get a different take, right? I think Albert Einstein said, um, I'm dropping Albert Einstein knowledge here. Oh, man, I Uh, can't wait. You can't can't do the same thing uh, and expect a different outcome. Preach. Yeah? Preach. So don't wait. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> do not wait. Do not wait. You no. have more power than you think. You can do it. You really, really do. You do. And, and you know what? And we're not saying, like, I don't think Marvin and I are saying that you can take it all the way. Like, this is a, a what is it, a, a baton That's race, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of parts here. Lots of different parts. And mm-hmm. I love what you came up with um, in terms of a formula. It's super easy. It's right. recruiting plus hiring manager plus exec buy-in. Mm-hmm. But there is an accountability piece here. And to, it's the first piece. Right. Which is what, what, yeah, exactly. Right. What recruiters own is one third. Right. If you break it down into like simple math, mm-hmm. right, that's 33.33%. <laughs> that is correct. 33%. Yep. That's, that's huge. You know, that's a huge, um, I mean, like, that you, that's a way better stats than any. I don't know, getting to any college. <laughs> you know, Lisa and I were talking right before we started here. You know, I mean, that's the formula as far as I'm concerned, right? But um, how often, and you do this more than anybody, you're in a hiring manager meeting and they say, if I saw more candidates from X demographic, I would hire more candidates from X demographic. I mean. And they're genuine about it. Oh, they're, they're so sincere. Holy and they say, you honestly, like, I, I want those perspectives. I understand that it's important for me to have them. And that's where recruiting comes in. We can hold. We can own that piece, right? We can eliminate that question. Bam! Right? Mike is dropped. Boom! So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna close off cool. our podcast here by asking you something that is not related to diversity in tech. I mean, it could be, but okay. it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. What is the one thing that you have changed your mind recently about? And it doesn't have to be about diversity in tech. Nope. Okay. It could be anything. Nicole talked about football. I talked about nice. the Cosby show. Hey. Oh, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um, you know, for me, this is funny. Um, I have a little dog, and uh, we grew up with, with dogs and stuff. And um, I always, I'm a little bit of a clean freak, a little bit of OCD. My organization is, is king. I can't yeah. tell. <laughs> a little bit. 
And um, I, I bought my wife a little dog for Christmas a couple years ago. And um, I'm finally at a place very recently where I sort of just let God. <laughs> I, I, I can't keep hair out of stuff. <laughs> you know, like, what am I doing? You know, vacuuming every day. And you know what? Just um, let's let's live. I just got to that place. All right. <laughs> I'm sure your wife would be very happy to hear that that you have let go. Oh, she's been sleeping well, no matter what. Well, you know what? You're you're about to you know you're about to have some real life changes. So I'm oh, I'm happy that you're coming upon that conclusion now. It's a step in the right direction. I think it's gonna serve you well. <laughs> Thank you so much. So on that note, this is Lisa Lee and. Marvin Stickle. And you are listening to the Legacy Code podcast. Thank you for tuning in, episode three. And uh, yeah, uh, shoot us some thoughts. If you think we're completely off of our rocker, if you think recruiters do not have the power, tell us. <laughs> Find us on social media um, and subscribe. That would be the biggest encouragement for uh, me, really, uh, doing this work. So until next time, Legacy Code podcast signing off. Bye. Bye-bye.